the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy, a message on becoming more like Christ. Gentleness is not selling out the gospel. Gentleness is not lowering God's standards of morality. Gentleness is the mode by which you're going to communicate those standards and preach that gospel. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. with stress. Do you go for a run or click on the TV to watch your favorite show? Well, today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy shares a biblical perspective on how to experience less stress God's way. We're learning from Philippians chapter 4 that gentleness is the key, but it doesn't require compromise. Instead, it demonstrates genuine strength. Let's learn more in our Less Stress series today. And you can also listen to previous messages online at ktt.org. Now here's Philip with the conclusion of his message, A Gentle Approach. Paul commands, urges, exhorts the Philippians to show gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to all men. This is what marks the life of the Christian. Gentleness is the way the world experiences our joy and encounters it. Now, two things here. It's manifestation and it's motivation. Okay, this is something we need to show. This must be evident and obvious in our lives. So let's look at its manifestation. There ought to be a climate of courtesy. There ought to be a bent of big-heartedness. There ought to be the grace of giving away, the spirit of leniency, the absence of self-seeking, the surrendering of our preferences. That's what ought to mark our lives. That's what ought to be manifest. And I'll tell you several areas you'll find that if you're a leader, that ought to manifest itself in your life. 1 Timothy 3.3, one of the characteristics of an elder shepherd pastor, they're gentle. 2 Timothy 2.24, we quoted it in the life of Charles Simeon, who modeled this in leadership. The servant of God is not to strive, but be gentle. Now, a leader's got to be firm. A leader's got to lead. But you know what? Far too many pastors don't believe in the priesthood of all believers. They believe in the papacy of all pastors. And they exercise a domineering, aggressive leadership style that shows no patience or thought or consideration for their flock. They confront. They badger. And that's unbecoming of a pastor. He's a shepherd who must lead the lambs of God gently and carefully. A leader is to be authoritative, but not authoritarian. Those are two different things. He's not to lord it over God's people. 
He's to be known for his gentleness and his kindness. I'll tell you another area this will manifest itself in is ministering to broken people. Have you got anybody in your life, anybody within your reach that's broken, not walking with the Lord like they once did? Their jets have cooled spiritually. They've maybe even fallen into sin and a pattern of sin. So you know what? You can't ignore that. Paul says, you know what? You that are spiritual, go over and restore that brother. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. The word restore there is interesting. It's a Greek word. If you're a medical student, you'll like it. It's to reset a bone that's dislocated. That's a painful experience, right? You and I maybe had that. I had that once in my life. I kind of had a hairline fracture in my shoulder a little bit, went down to the ER, and I'm like, buddy, take it easy. This is sore. Restoration is painful. And you know what? Know what it says in Galatians 6? You that are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness and gentleness. You know what? People who are broken and who have fallen, they come with a label attached to them. You know what it says? Handle with care. Most of the time they know that they've failed and that they're broken and they're trying to get to a better place. Come alongside them and in the love of Christ and in the authority of God's Word, point them to a better place and do it with some gentleness. Here's another area. If you're speaking to those in power, you like politics? Do you like to get engaged in political talk? I have a word for you which means I have a word for myself because I like to get involved in that stuff a little bit. Titus 3, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable and gentle. There's a lot of vitriol in politics today. And you'll even find it in Christian circles where we don't fulfill this when speaking of the opposition. We speak evil of them. We're not peaceable, and we're certainly not gentle. It's unbecoming of Christ. That doesn't mean you don't speak to the issues of the day. That doesn't mean we don't know the difference between right and wrong. But if you're going to speak to those who are opposed to the gospel, common sense, morality, Paul says, be subject to rulers and authorities. Be ready for every good work. Speak evil of no one. Be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Finally, This manifests itself when you're evangelizing the lost. In 1 Peter 3, verse 15, here's what Peter says, But sanctify the Lord your God in your heart, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that lies in you with meekness and fear. The word meekness carries the idea of gentleness. When you're evangelizing the lost, are you doing it with meekness? Is there a gentleness about your manner and your approach and your presentation that reflects the grace of God? You're actually trying to communicate. And the love of God, you're actually trying to talk about. Too much evangelism is a thinly veiled put-down where we rub people's nose in the dirt. We stand over them in the superiority of God's grace. But that's not what ought to be the case. We ought to be meek and respectful. You can't represent him harshly, unlovingly, and coldly. It's motivation. Well, these are the areas that will manifest itself. Show your gentleness to all men. That's a word to leaders regarding the congregation. That's a word to people who are in conflict. That's a word to those who are helping the broken. That's a word to those who are addressing political and social issues. And that's a word to those who are evangelizing the lost. 
Now, let's get motivated about it. We're being told to do it. Get about it. Okay, give me reasons. I'll give you three. The nature of God. To be gentle to all men. Well, could I remind you, isn't that the way God's treated you? And aren't you glad? Don't you take what you enjoy taking from God and not be willing to give that to others. You say, ah, but they don't deserve it. And I say, ah, but neither did you. My favorite verse, almost, of all my verses in the Bible is Psalm 103, verse 10. God has not dealt with us according to our sins. In fact, the amazing thing was, although the law was on his side, in an act of utter grace, he takes the just punishment that is ours and he puts it on the head of his son who did no sin. Would that motivate you? There's not only the nature of God, there's the example of Jesus. The example of Jesus. We've quoted 2 Corinthians 10 verse 1 where Paul appeals to them in the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I've quoted Matthew 11 verse 29. I am gentle and my yoke is easy. Jesus showed extreme graciousness and patience to his disciples that were of slow of heart to believe, drove them crazy. Jesus had a soft touch to the point where children used to run up and grab them. Children don't run up to nasty people, by the way. The fact that children went up to Jesus tells me just how gentle he was. When he was reviled, he didn't push back. He was led to the slaughter of the cross like a lamb to the slaughter. He restored Peter. He paid temple tax when he didn't need to pay temple tax. I'm going to give way. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to come below what is rightfully mine. And even on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We all, me included, we need to hang our heads in shame how far we are from that. How harsh and unloving and impatient we are. Standing on our rights. (laughs) Wow. It's a dangerous thing for sinners to do. I'll give you a third motivation, the last one here. Go back to our verse, actually. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. I take this to be the promise of Jesus' soon return. There's a debate among commentators. Is it space or time? Is the Lord near spatially? That means, is He at our side? One version renders it, the Lord is at our elbow. That's a beautiful thought. And that's a good way to live. Living as if Jesus is at your elbow, because He is. He indwells you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But I take this to be an issue of time. The Lord is near in time. The Lord is at hand in terms of the prophetic calendar. And I would suggest to you that living in the light of Jesus' return lessens stress. You say, why would that lessen stress? You can suffer loss. You can risk forgiveness. You can absorb injustice. You can desist defending yourself because when Jesus comes, he's going to vindicate you. He'll vindicate you to your husband, to the person that made you a victim of crime, who abused you, dishonored you. When he comes back, He'll vindicate your willingness to forgive wrongs. That's a great motivation to be gentle because vengeance is the Lord's. And don't forget, He came in humility the first time knowing that someday every knee would bow and every tongue confess. There would come exaltation after humiliation. 
And we live in a world that hates Christ and hates those who look anything like Christ. And if you and I are going to be gentle towards that world, we need to be motivated not only by the nature of God, the example of Jesus, but by the thought, when I give way, when I absorb injustice, when I am kind to those who are unkind, I know that in the end, God will vindicate that. That's not a loss. God will vindicate that. Great story out of the life of David Livingstone, who was an evangelist and an explorer in Africa, Scottish, Presbyterian. There's a story told that there came a moment of conflict on the mission field between him and several people, and he decided to vacate the mission house and just give it to these people. Somehow there was no resolution, and he decided, hey, I'll absorb the cost. I'll go and buy a new property. I'll have to build it, develop it, grow a garden. Because the property he was leaving was nice. He had worked on it, hundreds of hours of work. He had built a beautiful garden. He loved gardens. And as he did this for the sake of the gospel and the good of the mission, he was asked how he could surrender up that house, and especially the garden that he had painstakingly grown. Here's his exact words. I like a garden, but paradise will make amends for all my privations and sorrows here basically, you know what? I'll settle for Eden in the future. And I can be gentle, forgiving, forbearing, because you know what? God's got all of eternity to make it up to me. You be gentle because the Lord's at hand. Heaven's just around the corner. God will right all the wrongs. Last thought, and it's actually a very brief thought because we've kind of covered it, is gentleness directed, gentleness defined, gentleness displayed, gentleness directed. Let your gentleness be known to all men. That would be your congregation if you're a pastor. That would be your children if you're a parent. That would be your unsaved workmate if you're a Christian. That would be the broken if you're a counselor. The word all men certainly encompasses the church, but I think you'd agree with me. It really more emphasizes the world. Paul could have easily said, Let your gentleness be known to the body of Christ, to the family of God. But he says, all men, all men, all women, mankind, express your gentleness there. It's not to be reserved simply for those that you love or for those who love you. It's not for fellow Christians. It's not for family members. It's for an abrasive, adversarial world. Let me give you two verses in this very letter to show you the context of their lives. In verse 28 of chapter 1, he talks about not being terrified by your adversaries. What's clearly implied there that they had adversaries who threatened their lives, bullied them, berated them, mocked them. You go to chapter 2, verse 16, he tells them to be without fault in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation. I'm going to connect that to verse 5 of chapter 4. Let your gentleness, magnanimity, leniency, forgiveness, patience, big-heartedness be shown to all kinds of people, your adversary, the perverse, and the crooked. That's the world they were living in. If Paul's calling them to show gentleness to all men, it includes those kind of men and women. And that's a good word, isn't it? Because back then, as now, it would be easy for the church to respond defensively to bitter attacks in the bullying of the culture. But the church here is called to show kindness. 
to an unkind world. They're to be antithetical. They're to be an alternative culture. They're to show gentleness to hostile forces. In a similar section in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15, Paul goes down a series of commands and imperatives. He says to the church in Thessalonica, See that no one render evil for evil. Don't react offensively to the world. Don't fight fire with fire. See that no one render evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Gentleness, yes, to your family. Gentleness, yes, to your fellow believers, but gentleness to all men. And nine times out of ten, they're going to be hostile to the Christian faith. And if they hated the master, they're not going to like you. But the question is, will you like those who don't like you for Jesus' sake? Will you show patience and kindness and gentleness? That's the challenge. I like what Tony Merida says in his company in Philippines as we close. This call for graciousness is also important as we engage this world with biblical truth. It is especially important when speaking on the most volatile issues in the culture right now, homosexuality and gay marriage. Nothing creates more criticism and outrage these days than teaching or even saying that there is an historical position on marriage, one man and one woman in a covenant of marriage across a lifetime. As we take our stand on such issues, we need courage, but that courage must be mingled with graciousness. Pastor McLaughlin, who trained me in Northern Ireland, used to say to me often, Philip, the forgotten beatitude is blessed are the balanced. And this is the balance, courage. We're not going to waver. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. This is outside God's world. This is a redefinition of how God has defined life. And we've got to see the seriousness of it because a monogamous heterosexual marriage that produces children, this is the building block of a strong society. And we're destroying ourselves as a culture. I've got to say that unequivocally and courageously, and so do you. But you know what? I've got to balance that with graciousness because I'm living amidst a crooked and perverse generation, and I've got to hold forth the word of life and show gentleness to those who need to be corrected and those who are in error. It's not easy. In fact, in his book, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry Church, Dean Merle tells the story of a well-known Christian author who was visiting the Yellowstone National Park with his children. He loved the outdoors, the wide open spaces. He had a fervent love for nature and God's creation and the open sky. In fact, this man and his wife and his children had lived by the motto of the Sierra Club, take nothing but pictures and leave nothing but footprints. It's actually illegal to pick flowers in a national park. So they're right. That's the motto you're meant to live by. Take nothing but pictures, leave nothing but footprints. So they're in Yellowstone National Park one day, and they're committed to this, and they love it, and they want to keep it pristine. And as they're walking down this road, they notice this kid 100 yards down the road, and this little five-year-old with his chubby, grubby little fingers is pulling out these beautiful flowers from the ground. I mean, for someone who loves nature, this is the unpardonable sin. And so this upset this man, and he kind of cups his hands, and he shouts at the kid, Stop it! Stop it! Stop picking the flowers! It's illegal! And the kid stops it right in his tracks. It's up, looking around, drops the flowers, 
starts to cry, runs off towards his family. And this triggers a discussion in this man's family, and he gets attacked by his family, who love nature too, but they go, hey, that was a bit overbearing. You know what? <laughs> you know, he's only five years old. He's going to be in therapy the rest of his life now because you shouted at him. And so, he, you know, this goes on, and, and this guy reflects on it, and he makes a spiritual application from the incident. He says, this, the truth to be learned from the interchange in the meadow taught me this. You cannot shout people into holiness. It just does not work. You may win a momentary stoppage or whatever evil you were attacking. You may get people to conform to your wishes temporarily, but the result will not last. And meanwhile, all other kinds of damage will be done. Again, gentleness is not selling out the gospel. Gentleness is not lowering God's standards of morality. Gentleness is the mode by which you're going to communicate those standards and preach that gospel. And history tells us, and the nature of God tells us, and the example of Jesus shows us, you typically can't shout people into holiness. Let your gentleness be made known to all men, because the Lord is at hand. Lord, we thank you for our time in your word. May we hide it in our hearts that we may not sin against you. Lord, this is a convicting message. Lord, we love the truth. We're warriors for the truth. We'll defend the gospel. And we'll stand up for what is right. But, oh God, we want to have a reputation also for gentleness. We want to be truth-driven but grace-oriented. In representing you to the world, we want to represent the nature of God and the example of Jesus. We thank you that you have handled us with care. We thank you that you have not dealt with us according to our sins. We thank you for being eminently patient with us. You have put up with us with forbearance. You've given us time to repent. You called us to your Son in the words of the old hymn writer, softly and tenderly, Jesus called us. Well, God, cultivate that spirit in our life. It will lessen stress, and it will help us better reach the world, and it will certainly make us look more like Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're learning to live and look more like Jesus, unhindered by the stress of the world. This is Know the Truth with pastor and Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy. And you can find more Bible study messages and resources when you visit us online at ktt.org. We provide these resources at no cost so that you can freely access Philip's bold and uncompromising Bible teaching. Online, you can also sign up for his weekly email devotion called Truth Matters. We can hardly believe that it's been eight years since we began the ministry of Know the Truth. And we've never deviated from our God-given mission to share God's Word so that men and women can find freedom in Christ. And if you've been listening for long, you know that Philip has the gift of teaching God's Word with accuracy and authority. But Philip knows that he doesn't do this alone. You're his friends and partners in ministry. It's the financial support of listeners like you that make it all possible. So today, when you give to Know the Truth, we'll send you a special devotional from Paul Tripp titled, A Shelter in the Time of Storm. With 52 meditations on Psalm 27, Paul Tripp's book is a guide to the eternal truths that shepherd us through the storms of life. 
Request a shelter in the time of storm when you call in your donation to 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. If you prefer to send a check, address your envelope to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And if you're contacting us for the first time, you can also request a free CD copy of Philip's message, Sunny Souls. It's from our current series titled Less Stress. Request it online at no cost when you go to ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to join Philip DeCourcy tomorrow for the start of a brand new message titled Better Days Ahead. That's Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Okay, so the big question for any decision you're going to make, is this actually going to work? Well, if you've heard about MediShare, which is a brilliant way of sharing healthcare costs, you may have wondered that. Does it work? Well, so did Dr. Stuart Hoover, who initially joined to save a lot of money. The typical family saves about $500 a month. Stuart saved even more. When we first joined uh, MediShare, we were immediately going from a little over $1,600 a month down to uh, $460 basically a month. So that's wonderful, but then his wife needed emergency surgery, and the bills added up to $160,000. So we were seeing the bills coming in, and then the bills were being paid. Portions were being shared, and the end result of this is this bill was taken care of. Yes, MediShare works, and it's so easy to get your questions answered, too, so why not? You can call right now, 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE, 844-45-BIBLE. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.